Merry Christmas, one and all. It's that time of year where champions rise and pretenders fall. Salah is scoring and Klopp's at the top, whilst instead of training, Mourinho's been at Topshop. City are faltering, but Pep has a plan. His name's De Bruyne and the Etihad is a fan. Can Vardy stop them? We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure he'll cause a, cause a problem. Can't be slower than Stones and Otamendi. Down in the south, Bournemouth have been quiet as a mouse, but it won't help them now. They're in Harry Kane's house. If the cherries aren't careful, he could score four, but I'd be more wary of Son because he doesn't have to go to war. <laughs> Manchester United are back to winning ways. Pogba has decided to actually play football instead of pissing away his days. On his way out, he blew Jose a parting kiss. You fucked with the wrong baller was the answer to caption this. Hazard is leading the pack by himself, a shining star. He's getting no help, though. William would be more useful if you hit him with a car. Emery's undefeated run is over, but he's in no hurry. For once in recent memory, Arsenal have a better goal scorer than Glenn Murray. But you're only halfway through, and there's so much to come. You're listening to Game Time. Sit back, Yay! relax, and have fun. <laughs> Welcome. Merry Christmas. Uh, Danny and Tom, how are you guys? I'm it's Christmas Day. Christmassy. Yeah, as am I. As am I. <laughs> very, very impressed with that. That was, that was fantastic. We have, yeah, well played. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we have so much to talk about because it's been such a great week of football. I mean, I'll kick it off. Uh, Manchester United winning 5-1. Danny, you have free reign to talk about how good Manchester United Bloody brilliant, were. wasn't it? It's like Christmas <laughs> come early. I've never seen, or I haven't seen us play that many one-twos or just general forward passes in a long time. It was, it was a joy to watch. And granted, yes, they are in a relegation battle and it is only one game, but God, if, if we play like that for, for the rest of Ollie's tenure in the next sort of six months, I'll be a happy, happy man on this podcast. Yeah, it's the first time they've scored five goals since Alex Ferguson left. Uh, all those many years ago, and it must seem like a very long time ago now. Um, Tom, do you see Manchester United's chances of maybe making top four this season? Drastically improved now. Uh, I think if they can play like that, I think everyone has sort of done the reality check that unfortunately it was Cardiff you were playing. <laughs> um, I, I think there is a bit of truth to that, but uh, I watched the game as well, and, and the the attacking threat of the of the front players was really apparent, and they were they knew exactly where each other were, and they were playing sort of intricate passes. Pogba was doing flicks and tricks which were working and, and effective as well. Um, I, yeah, I think if you're a Man United fan, it's, it's at least exciting to, to think that it's slightly it's going to be slightly different. I, I thought the penalty was relatively tough to concede as well, so it probably could have been even better. Um, but yeah, they're still eight points behind Arsenal, and and they're therefore eight points behind Chelsea in fourth as well. Um, so I think they do have a bit of a way to go. I'm not sure that it's quite a big gap, and and. You've still got to play, obviously, the second half of the season. You've got to play all these teams above you again. So it may be tough to close it down. But I think in terms of 
fans that they may look to enjoy the football a bit more. But maybe the test against Huddersfield on Boxing Day uh, <laughs> will be a bit more, a bit more, yeah, at home as well. You'd hope Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would get a good reception. So, um, yeah, maybe that'd be a bit more uh, indicative of how they're performing. I reckon this next sort of six months period is just going to be a, a good time for Manchester United because I think I said it maybe off air to to some of you that I think this is the smartest thing Manchester United have done in a while. I know a lot of people were like, oh, why are you bringing in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when you could bring in like a Conte or, or someone a bit bigger? But I think the the mistakes that United have made has been rushing in and just grabbing the biggest manager they can find getting Oli in to just not steady the ship because that's not really the right term, but the season is pretty poor so far. So to get a player, X player in to just make the fans happy and see what happens for the rest of the season is probably the smartest thing. And, and now they've got six months to really take their time and evaluate who they want next. But oh, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. They've got Huddersfield on Boxing Day, um, which you'd expect, you know, you expect them to win. And if you can perform again, like you have done against Cardiff, then, I imagine most Manchester United fans will be very happy. But moving across Manchester uh, to Manchester City, another shock loss. Um, I don't even think we'd be saying this at all at the start of the season, but they've lost two in two weeks. Uh, a 3-2 defeat to Crystal Palace at home, which I think was the first time they've lost at home for about eight months, I think. Um, Tom, did you watch the match? Uh, yeah, saw the game. Uh, I thought... I feel like it, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to just say things like, uh, like this. Oh, are City crumbling? Or should they be worried about the rest of the season? But statistically in that game, I think they just had a... Um, they were unlucky. I think Palace sc- had four shots and they scored three goals. And Andros Townsend scored probably the goal of the season. And I think he could... You imagine he tries that in training and uh, Roy Hodgson tells him to, to stop doing that type <laughs> of thing. Because at the amount of times they, they don't go in... Um, it was an incredible goal and credit to, credit to him. And it wasn't a goal where he cut inside as well, which is really impressive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that was a fantastic goal. But I thought Jeffrey Schlupp played very, very well as well. So yeah, I think on the whole, City was probably just a bit more unlucky than, than anything. I don't think they played particularly poorly. But then you look at some of their recent games. I mean, in, in the cup against Leicester, they obviously went to penalties with, with a relative reserve team. Um, when they played Bournemouth, they, they didn't, they weren't, it wasn't as comfortable as you would have expected it to be. Uh, and obviously, they lost to Chelsea as well. So maybe they are having a bit of a lull in form. And, and at the beginning of the season, when we spoke about them having a lull in form, they were still winning games. So m- maybe this is a, a bit of a different experience for them at the moment. But you have to give credit for it to Crystal Palace. They, play, they played with a game plan. They were very strong in defence. And it isn't very difficult to, but they sort of silenced the Etihad as well. And that's, that's a really big thing. Yeah, I think, I mean... Just on Townsend, Townsend's goal, he was saying, you know, beforehand that like he was working on scoring more scrappy goals because uh, he doesn't have a problem with the sort of long ranges. And I can now confirm that he does not have a problem with long range goals. Um, after hitting that volley, Jesus Christ, it was 29 uh, yards out and it hit 67 miles an hour um, right in the top corner. So all credit to that. But yeah. I think you're at Crystal Palace had so many great performances. I think uh, Saka was great in defence, along with Van uh, Saka, who will be such a great player. Um, he's still only about 21, I think, and he was just absolutely stunning. Um, Milivojevic was great, and then Zaha did such a job up front as well. Um, Danny, do you see Man City is now like a team that you know 
you can pick up points <laughs> against as opposed to this sort of undefeatable team last year? Um, I still think that they're a difficult team to pick up points against. They just had an off day. Like Tom said, there's not really much you can do if, if your opponents score from 75% of the shots that they have. And it just it doesn't seem to be going in for you. I still think they'll be a difficult team to pick up points against. I, I would say that this is a one-off. They don't lose many games at home, and especially not in the manner of the way that they dominated. But hey, it, as cliche as it sounds, these games happen. Football is not played on paper. It doesn't matter if you've got a star-studded lineup because if Andros Townsend can pull out goals like that, it's worthy of winning any game. But one thing I found quite funny, uh, there was a Crystal Palace fan uh, replied to a tweet where Crystal Palace put out their lineup. I don't know if either of you saw this. Uh, he said, like, oh, here's our lineup for the game against City. And he just replied, I'd be happy if we had a corner. And then come the 90th minute when they won 3-2, he, he just tweeted, I'm not happy at all, and posted the match stats, and Crystal Palace didn't have a single corner. <laughs> Which I thought was quite good. The game no. plan didn't work. Um, no, well, there'll be maybe such a little bit of a test against Leicester with Jamie Vardy up front. Uh, we saw in the match against Chelsea, which we'll come on to in a second, that he only needs one opportunity to score. And like I said at the start of the show, against Stones, not a Mendy, he might cause a bit of a riot. <laughs> um, so we'll have to see. That is at Leicester. So um, it'll be very interesting to see that on Boxing Day. But uh, let's move to Chelsea. Just genuinely very poor performance against Leicester. Leicester were quite good, but um, they sat back quite a lot. And then Vardy literally had one opportunity, uh, passed through the defence and scored. And then we couldn't, we couldn't do anything to counter that. And are, yeah, Chelsea outside of the top two now? Uh, I did, and no offence to Chelsea, because I really like Sarri. But I, I think this is a, a three-horse race at a push. And and I don't think Chelsea are in that, to be honest. I don't know what Tom thinks, but I, yeah. I, I think Spurs are, are just about in it. I, I don't see Chelsea getting into that. Yeah, I think um, at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk about how there, it might take a level of... I mean, it might be a transition period with Sarri because of the, he's a very different, has a very different style of play and, and the methods he uses aren't always... Sort of first nature to a lot of his a lot of his signings or a lot of his players that he's in, inherited at Chelsea. So and I actually think maybe the, the the run of games he had at the beginning of the season where he was winning a lot of games maybe it was just a slightly they were performing above average and, and perhaps now they 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 are going to struggle a bit against some teams as they get completely used to the way he wants to play. I think he said as he said as well he was surprised and he felt like these type of performances were were going to come up now and again until they got the system absolutely perfect in the way that he had it at Napoli. But yeah, it's amazing that there's still pressure on Cloud Puel, though, isn't it? Really, I mean, mm. he he got he lost on penalties in the cup on in the in midweek to Man City. He's gone to get a result at um, at Stamford Bridge as well. Uh, but there seems to be this like yeah, <laughs> this, this this waiting for him to get sacked, whatever happens. But yeah, I think Chelsea underperformed and. and it's difficult. I, I don't. I agree. I, I don't think it's. I. I wouldn't even say it's a three-horse race. I know Danny probably backs Tottenham, but I think it's a two-horse race between Man City and, and Liverpool at the moment. Um, and I. Don't, I think Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal are probably best of the rest. The problem with 
I, I probably... So I was going to say the problem with Claude Puel is he, he suffers massively from Tony Pulis syndrome where he, he's such a boring man that people just want him to get sacked as soon as physically possible. It's like, he's winning us the league. Yeah, but have you heard him talk? He's so slow and he doesn't sound enthusiastic whatsoever. Very true. Bring in Russell Brand. <laughs> um, no, I do I think I think you're right. I think it is a two-horse race. And honestly, I think for the first time this season, Sarri got it wrong as well. Um, I think Leicester set up very well and... Chelsea's tactics just were not on point um, and it doesn't help when you have such a shit house like William playing who took the worst corner I've ever seen um, so we'll move swiftly on because I really don't want to talk about it anymore um, but where do we start with Tottenham against Everton 6-2 Kane with two uh, Son with two Ali and Eriksson how good did they look oh, scarily good and this is why I still think it's a three horse race because the one thing that I know when I said it in the unpopular opinions a few weeks ago that it was maybe a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but you've got to remember, I think they've played the most away games out of all of the teams in the Premier League because of their stadium issues. And they're still only six points off top spot, which means when those home games start to come in, especially with the fixtures they've got coming up, and no offence to Tom and Bournemouth, but when Spurs are scoring six past Everton, you've got a fear for the cherries as well. So, uh, you know what? I think then they might not win it, but my God, they'll run it close because they were rampant against Everton. They really, really were. Like, I mean, Everton, not even particularly playing badly. They're still eighth. 11th now. They dropped down. 11, oh. Maybe <laughs> they're not doing so well. <laughs> um, but, like, it's by no means like a, a you know... a team that are fighting for relegation that haven't been performing this year like Everton have been playing well and yet Spurs just ran through them I think when you've got Kane Ali Eriksson and Son all playing all in form they genuinely look like they can beat anyone um and then like with the players like Musa Sissoka coming in who is just was literally voted one of the worst signings this season or, or not this bit, worst signings in the Premier League. And then this season, he's just become a really great, useful player. I think that shows how good Pochettino's been. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's turned Mr. Sissoko into one of the best set midfielders in the Premier League. And the, yeah, you're right. Even off, even off of signing for Spurs after a good year of 2016, um, even Newcastle fans are taking the mick out of Spurs fans <laughs> for paying all that money. So... He does have an ability to turn players around. And, and again, like we talked about before, and they didn't spend money in the summer. He seems to be getting the best out of his own players. He's, um, he's doing all the right things to have an audition for the Man United job, isn't he? And um, I think, <laughs> yeah, his, his ability to get the best out of young British players as well, whether it's Ben Davis, uh, Kieran Trippier, and obviously Harry Kane, Deli Ali, that's great. And, and I think that appeals, appeals for him to the public and the fans as well. Um, but yeah, you, you have to commend Spurs really because they have they've done so well this season. And, and considering how everyone else has strengthened, they've just improved and improved. Are Bournemouth going to give them a challenge on Boxing Day? Um, probably not. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I'm I'm at home. I live in Christchurch, so down the road from Bournemouth, and I'm, I'm home for Christmas now. And there is a general sense that we will get pumped. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I would be surprised I, you know what's quite disappointing is there was talk at the beginning of the season that this was going to be the first game at the new stadium um, and now it's being at Wembley 
I feel like if it was at a new stadium, we might have been a bit more up for it and a bit more like, oh, well, this is the opportunity to get one over or at least get put in a good performance in, the, in a new stadium. But we'll probably just get pumped at Wembley like we always do. So, right. yeah. <laughs> I really do not see it as a blessing that you're not playing. Because I think whoever plays that first match uh, with Tottenham actually at home, I think we'll get destroyed because they'll be so happy that they're so actually at their new stadium. Man United, which I thought would have, it's a bit of a risk. Surely you want to play someone like Bournemouth in your first game at home because you know it's a win rather than like risking it on Man United and, and always having that curse over you for the rest of the stadium's life. But yeah, I, I don't mind. <laughs> I think that they're, they're, they're a very, very good team. And like I've said before, they play how we want to play, just with better players and a, probably in a better system. So yeah, they tend to undo us anyway. <laughs> Well, let's move on from Tottenham, as good as they were, to Liverpool. Just a really another solid win with great performances all round. Um, how quick is Virgil van Dijk? <laughs> Too fast. <laughs> He's honestly one of the most complete defenders that I've seen in a while. Like He reads the game so well. and A bit like when you guys talked about the best centre-backs of the millennium. And I'm not, I'm not making a case for Virgil van Dijk to jump in there, but you get a defender that affects both phases of the game, both keeping the opponent out and then making a difference if they can at the other end. And, and he seems to be one of those defenders. I was scored on his debut against Everton, scored again against Wolves. The man seems to pop up at both ends of the field and, and fair play to Liverpool because that price tag, no one's talking about it anymore because he seems to be doing the business week in, week out for them. Yeah, he's done such a superb job. And like I say, like if you, if you pay the money and the player performs, the price doesn't get mentioned because as long as they do a job, um, and I think Van Dijk's gone beyond that as well because he's playing so, so well. But like Liverpool are really solid now. They are winning comfortably. Um, you know, they've got Bayern in the Champions League coming up and that might prove over two legs costly because do they play their first 11 uh, against Bayern and then sort of rotate players in the Premier League or now that's on the Premier League, do they just go full out and then play a weakened team against Bayern. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think the advantage you have in the first round of the group, uh, the first round of the knockout stages in the Champions League is that, that I think the, the ties are a bit more spread apart. So they probably will have the opportunity to play their first team in both legs and not worry too much about fatigue. I think if you're a Liverpool, if you're the Liverpool manager, I think there's still going to be a focus on the league because they haven't won it in so long and they're in such a good position to risk it by throwing all of your efforts into the, into the Champions League, which you got to the final last year and you've, you've won it five times. I think they will continue to focus on trying to stay ahead of City in the league and, and maybe you'll see rotation in the Champions League as well. But I, these, these players should be fair enough to play in both, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about too much rotation. Yeah, they are they, they are doing the job though. Um, Toodle against Wolves. They've got Oh, they've got Newcastle uh, on Boxing Day as well. Again, another match that they really shouldn't be troubled by mm-hmm. at all. Um, they are looking in a really solid position, you know, to be heading through January at the top of the oh, table. Oh, don't do that to them. Don't you? We gave, we gave City the kiss of death when we basically were like, they're going to go the whole season unbeaten and the rest hmm. of the decade without losing a single <laughs> game of football. We're unbiased. We've cursed both teams. <laughs> I didn't say curse. <laughs> <laughs> you said that but I, you know what a, a really solid team and, and to be fair the one thing that I find quite interesting I don't remember and this is only from personal experience 
going under like Ferguson's teams and and them constantly being talked about as oh they're going to be able to cope with a Champions League and a, and a Premier League race. I don't remember that ever being a thing. So I, I think this Liverpool team, like Tom said, more than capable. They showed it last year when they got to a Champions League final. And I, I think they'll do fine because they've made quite a lot of improvements. And who knows, come January, they might even strengthen that. Yeah, well, I thought I was going to ask you, do you think January would be really, really important for them? Because I think when you compare squad depth with Liverpool and Man City, I think just barring injuries, because obviously City have now got Aguero, De Bruyne and Mahrez coming back. Um I think you can safely say the City's sort of squad depth is larger than Liverpool's. Do you think January is important for them to maybe pick up one or two players, maybe forwards that can sort of rotate in in the Premier League to uh, give players like Firmino and Salah some time off? I think you'd be pretty disappointed if, that was the, if you're Dominic Solanke and that's the case. Hmm. Um, I think they have a deep enough <laughs> squad that they, sh- they shouldn't need to purchase. And I think if they did purchase, they'd get absolutely rinsed by whoever, whoever they were buying off because... They know the position that they're in and they've got money to spend. I think mean, talking about, you mentioned earlier on about signings they've previously made, I think Liverpool have taken a slightly different tactic to how they would have done in years gone by. And that's, they've highlighted exactly who they want well, and looked at the statistics. And where, whereas they may have previously thought, well, we'll try and get someone who's on the up and then hopefully get them at their peak ability, maybe like a Suarez. They're now starting to look at players and think, well, actually, we need Alisson or we need Van Dijk and we're willing to wait, but we're willing to pay the right amount of money. Mm. Um, and those are, as a result, you get big transfer fees. You have the Navigators and obviously the Fabinho's as well. And I, I'm, I'm relatively confident that both of those players will continue to, well, Cater specifically, will, will come out of the shell a bit more and shine in the Premier League. But they're, 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 not, they're not afraid of just um, paying the big bucks and, and getting, getting the top players. So... Yeah, I think they're unlikely to just dive into the market in January and just get someone for someone's sake. But if they've had someone lined up for a while, then yeah, there's no reason. But like I said, it'll be a very expensive signing if anyone does does go in. Yeah, I think you've nailed it there. Um, it will be very interesting to see what does go on, though, and then who is top uh, coming out of January. Now, now, moving on to Arsenal, and of course, just as I uh, move my captaincy on Fancy League from Aubameyang to Hazard, Aubameyang then goes and scores two. Um, but the story of this match is the return of Ozil uh, being given the captain's armband as well. Um, and with Ozil, Lacazette and Aubameyang all playing in a front three, you know, like, it, you wouldn't want to come up against Arsenal. Uh, they won 3-1 against Burnley. Uh, do you see them as top four contenders, Danny? I think they're, they're there or thereabouts. It really depends on if they can carry on their sort of, that unbeaten streak really dragged them up the table and that's the reason why they are where they are be interesting to see now with half the games gone in the season pretty much what what they'll do what they'll do next half because if they go on another one of those streaks then yeah easily top four but be interesting to see with the Europa League as they get deeper into it whether or not things things start faltering a little bit in the league but yeah they're up there they're fifth at the moment just out of it on goal difference. So when when you've got Aubameyang scoring goals for fun, top goal scorer now in the Premier League, you've always got to say the team's, team's up there. I mean, when was the last time you had a team that had a top goal scorer and, and weren't in and around the top four? The, the only one I can think of is Kevin Phillips when he played for Sunderland, but that was yonks ago. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, and then, you know, they've got Lacazette, uh, Back there as well, and you know, if Ertel plays consistently and keeps getting in the team, 
you know the goals are going to come from somewhere. Because I think I think you can play anyone with uh, those three performing and pose a real, real challenge. And it's worth noting they were playing against five at the back as well, um, which is often notoriously really difficult to break down. And yeah, they managed it. Uh, Ozil's gorgeous pass to Aubameyang uh, for his first goal. Just sum that up, uh, splitting like splitting the defence in half completely. Um, Oh, you know, you know, Meza Erzul's got vision that actually uh, bypasses camera lenses. I don't know if either of you saw this as well. Uh, Arsenal fans absolutely <laughs> raving at the fact that if you looked at Meza Erzul when he was playing the pass from the uh, TV camera, that Kalasanak wasn't in the picture, and then were instantly reminded by other fans that Meza Erzul actually has eyes that aren't limited to a TV camera, and he can see the rest of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's on it's not we're not just looking at a 2d game of fifa uh when watching the football like they are actually there and they can see the people around the them retweet i saw um, was someone screenshotted uh, andros townsend's goal and just said the goal isn't even in the picture when andros townsend hits this the, <laughs> the vision yeah it's just Arsenal fans sometimes, isn't it really um <laughs> They, of course, have Brighton on Boxing Day as well. Uh, shouldn't prove too much of a test. Um, and Aubameyang, I no doubt, will pick up another goal there as well um, if he's playing. Just just captain him, triple captain him, do whatever you want. But do, not, your do not triple captain him, um, save for that double now, game week. Do not waste your triple captain now. Alan isn't here, uh, so we're going to mention, without getting shouted at, that they lost, West Ham <laughs> lost to Watford. Um <laughs> De La Feo with another goal. After, this is after that, like, I was forced to say that uh, West Ham were going to win and it was going to be a competitive uh, fixture because apparently we have a bias on this show of down-talking West Ham whenever Alan isn't here. Um, but they lost. Uh, Dini scored a penalty and De La Feo scored in the 87th minute. Uh, De La Feo again. He's proving to be a great player for them this season. Though. He is. He is indeed when, when he... Gets a run of games because he was injured for a brief part of the season. When he gets a run of games, and and especially the way Watford are playing at the moment, and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that results hadn't gone their way, but they were still playing some really nice football. And when they're playing the attacking style of football that they're playing as well, it, it suits Delafeu down to a T. And and he's rotated uh, in a few games. He's played at sort of centre forward, and then he's come off the left. He's come off the right, but. No, he's playing really, really well. And there'll be a compilation of De La Feu goals this season because he doesn't seem to score any bad ones. No, he doesn't. Uh, he always seems to do something spectacular. Tom, Alan isn't here to shout you down. <laughs> what does West Ham need to do to imp- like play consistently uh, and like grind these results out? Because they've had a, a run of three or four games where they've actually been winning results comfortably. Um, what do they need to do to be, you know, genuinely winning all their matches against teams that they can beat um, and really yeah, climb up the table. It's probably a bit difficult for them to do it in fairness, I think. It's, it's a pretty tough... Uh, they've, they've had four is it four wins before this in the bounce, which is obviously mm-hmm. a fantastic point. You're going to lose eventually. I think, I think maybe it would have been... Nice, for them, might have been a bit easier and nicer if they'd lost at home to a, one of the big clubs, perhaps. But, yeah, it's unlucky for them. You think you just have to really just respect... How 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 they've pushed on so far this season? At the moment, they are twelfth, yes, but uh, they they were at the beginning of the year. I think they had they eight, eight games uh, without a win, or, or early on in the season they were really struggling. So, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't really know. I think they've, the Felipe Anderson, I think we mentioned him at the beginning, beginning of the season, has turned into the player we hoped he would be and on Arsovic, um out, out at the moment, but it looks like a really, really good player as well. I think, I think Javier Hernandez has improved as well. I don't know if you've noticed. He's, he's, he's got a few goals in the last few games before the game on Saturday. Um, and he looks like a bit of a threat in front of goal, which is really important for them. But I think it's just unlucky. It's, it, you've got to take these games as they come, type of thing. And, and as long as they bounce back, they'll be fine, and uh, they can enjoy the rest of their season. Yeah, um, they, you know, they, they do need to start picking themselves up. But you know, they, they definitely can beat mm-hmm. teams on their day. Um, Newcastle, Fulham happened, uh, and after the break, we'll be talking about stats, talking points, and team of the millennium. It's the fullbacks. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness. Personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. So you're a podcast listener. That's awesome. Did you know that you can enjoy an even better listening experience with the new Pocket Casts app? With powerful search and discovery tools, they've made it easier than ever before to find your next favourite podcast. It was even recognised by Wired Magazine as the podcast app every iPhone user needs. Pocket Casts is a beautifully designed and easy-to-use app that offers amazing features like play without subscribing and advanced episode search. It helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favourite podcast with more than half a million shows to choose from. Change can be hard, but sometimes it's worth it. Download Pocket Cast today from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store or on the web at pocketcasts.com. Listen to Game Time. Welcome back to Game Time. Uh, being at Christmas Day, we're halfway through uh, the 2018-19 season. Uh, I've got some stats for you guys about uh, sort of creativity and chances and errors as well uh, for the Premier League. So we all know Aubameyang is the highest scorer on 12 uh, and Hazard has the most assists on 9. Uh, Hazard also has the most chances created with 48 uh, of everyone in the Premier League. Um, and have a guess at how many or which players made the most passes this season. Oh, if it's not Jorginho, there's something wrong. Oh, there's something no, wrong. It's going to be a defender, isn't it? Uh, yeah. John Stones. Oh, close. That's giving me a clue. I'm going to go Otamendi. Uh, oh, no. Van Dijk. Who's, no, who's been playing the most games for City in defence? The other one. Am- Amaric yeah. Laporte. Laporte. There you go. Uh, 1,561 passes this and they're season. All sideways. Um, yeah, yeah. They are all sideways or backwards to Edison. Who's got the most clean sheets? Uh, Alisson. I was going to go Edison. Yeah, you're right. Alisson with 11. Um, now, on the other end of goalkeepers, the keepers with the most errors leading to goals. Uh, Asmir Begovic, Jordan Pickford, (laughs) (laughs) and Bernd Leno, um, the Arsenal keeper they signed this year. Um, Have a guess at who do you think conceded the most penalties this season? Team or player? Players. Bloody hell. Uh, Big Wes, Morgan? That's That's a great shout. No. He gets too many He's red cards, there. though. He doesn't play enough games to concede the most penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he doesn't have enough. <laughs> um, um, oh, God. He, he gives the team? Is it, as, yeah, is, it a, is it a position as well? Uh, there's one keeper. <laughs> uh, and the other... <laughs> yeah. 
The other Fuck. four are defenders. They're Fuck all no, tied on two. What going around two foot in strikers? Allison? <laughs> no. No, close. Edison. Close. Yeah, okay. Edison has conceded two is, penalties is Kyle, this season. Is Kyle Walker? He's not. There's a Crystal Palace player, a Watford player, uh, Cardiff and Tottenham. Uh, is the Watford player Christian Cabaselli? It is. Trippier? Who? No, it's a centre-back. They're is all it Darius and Sanchez? No, yeah. no, it's Juan Foyth because he conceded two in yeah, one game. Foyth, Foyth. Oh, it is Juan Foyth. It is one point. Uh, and the other one, the other the other two are yeah. Mabadou Sacco um, and Sol Bamba. <laughs> Classic Sol. <laughs> um, the keeper who has dropped the ball the most times this season is Ben Foster with Fair seven. Um, have a guess who do you think has lost the most possession Team uh, this season? Okay. They are a defender. Lost player. possession. Defender, you say? Luke Shaw? <laughs> no, they are a left-back, though. Leighton Baines? No, he hasn't played enough, I don't think. I didn't even know he's still playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh... He watches from his yeah. retirement home. <laughs> um... Marcus Alonso? No, good shout, though. He's bloody shit. <laughs> I don't know, Monreal? No, think... Uh... Oh, I'm trying to give you another clue now. The team. Um, they are title a title winning side. Uh, <laughs> where's he from? Fabian Delph. England. Uh, no. Danny Rose. No, that doesn't work. No. How many? In- they play. He plays ben for Leicester. Chilwell. It is Ben Chilwell. He's lost possession 425 times hell, this ben. season. Ben Chilwell also did not. That's win not good. Title. Ben Chilwell, yeah. No, but it's a title-winning side. So that's like saying, "Oh yeah, it's in Leicester." <laughs> they were nineteen eighty-four. Dominic Solanke. <laughs> um, the final one I've got for you is who's conceded the most fouls? They are a striker. No, good Callum shout. Good shout. Callum. Both the Callums. No. No, we mention him a lot on this podcast. Glenn. So not <laughs> Glenn. Glenn Murray. Who? It's it Glenn Murray. so much, he's got first name terms now. Glenn! <laughs> Glenn. He consistently fouls people because he's not quick enough to get back or in the penalty box when he's giving them a tussle. Um, that was interesting. I just love the fact that uh, Ben Chibbles lost the ball 400 times. Um, now, team of the millennium time. Um, our current team. If, well, if you're not paying attention to this feature, it's basically we are picking the best players... Uh, of this millennium since 2000. Um, currently, the goal, the team so far, the goalkeeper is Jean-Luigi Buffon. Uh, the centre-backs are Paolo Maldini and Sergio Ramos. Um, and it's now full-back time. Tom, who have you got? On the right-hand side, I have a player who was an attacking threat as well as a solid defender, has played for some of the biggest European teams, but has played in the World Cup for... Uh, one of the best attacking sides probably in the last, yeah, in, in the 21st century. He's won it all with Barcelona, and that's Dani Alves. I'm, I'm clapping. <laughs> oh, I'm clapping. <laughs> um, uh, who's your left back? My left back is, I'm surprised we have had 
no German industrialness so far <laughs> in this defence. So I've resorted to one of my favourite goal scorers. When in, in, he scored in the very first game of the 2006 World Cup, uh, and that is Philip Lahm. Oh, lad! Oh, interesting. Uh, I was going to see. I was going to put Philip Lahm at right back. Um, so I'll give you. I'll give you my pick. My pick was Philip Lahm at right back and uh, Roberto Carlos at left back. Um, but if you've gone left back, that's very interesting. Danny, uh, who have you got? So kind of boringly, I've gone also with Danny Alves. He's just been dominant throughout the 2000s. And then Philip Lahm was going to be my choice for left back, but he just got ousted by Roberto Carlos. I've gone for the, the absolute Brazilian attacking threats down the, down the fullbacks. Yeah, it's a great shout. Um, what do we do then? We're split. Um, so why do you think Danny Alves should be a right back? Oh, the man's done it all. I think Tom wrapped up quite nicely. He did everything with Barcelona on his day, one of the best right-backs going forward and defensively. And, yeah, he's just absolutely, absolutely spa- smashing bloat. <laughs> Tom, are you going to argue for Philip Lahm over Roberto Carlos? Um, Roberto Carlos was in elite form for only seven years of the 21st century. And I'd even argue that actually towards the end of that, from about 2005 onwards, he wasn't elite. I don't think he had enough life cycle in the 21st century to to because he was a, he was from 2007 onwards he played for Fenerbahce Corinthians Anzi Mashlaklaka and da- Delhi Dynamo <laughs> um, for, for a combined appearances of around you don't say a thing about the yeah, Delhi Dynamo he was had a three three year gap between 2012 and 2015 where he didn't play for anyone um, but he yeah he played between for, for those four clubs he played 128 games uh, and I think that's a, a big enough portion of the 21st century that I would discount his legacy. I think he's an incredible player and had a fantastic record before uh, the 2000s as well. Absolutely dominant for Brazil and Real Madrid, Inter Milan, and all those guys as well. But I think Philip Lahm won more, won the World Cup, was dominant with um, was dominant with Bayern Munich, but also had. Um, He's one of the most, yeah, he's one of the big, best utility players. He could play centre-back, he could play right-back, and he could play CDM as well. So if our world or team of the millennium needs to get someone sent off and he needs to drop into <laughs> midfield, it's not a problem. i tell you what, though, Tom. <laughs> what, was Philip Lahm robbed at gunpoint whilst doing a live radio interview? He may have been. He just doesn't bang <laughs> on about it like right, Roberto Carlos. So. <laughs> Hi, my name's Roberto Carlos, and I was robbed at gunpoint whilst doing a live yeah. radio interview. I swear all Brazilian players have. It's like part of their CV. Like everyone's been robbed. <laughs> <laughs> they train on the beach yeah. and they get robbed at gunpoint. Um, there will be a... Later on in the year, next year, there will be a, a robbed at gunpoint <laughs> yeah. 11. Um, Funny enough, it's just a whole... Brazilian no, uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, well, we'll decide in a minute, but before we do that, we'll throw a couple of other names into the mix. Uh, my first one being Cafu, the Brazilian star at right back. Yeah, what do you guys he, think he was on my list as well. Um, and if Danny Alves wasn't so perfectly fit for a team of the 2000s, it would have been Cafu because he pretty much was, was on it from like 1999 onwards. But I think Danny Alves just had too much but Cafu was a stunning footballer no doubt anyone else you think you could possibly throw uh, in there I had Philip Lahm as my other right back to be honest 
uh, th- those were my those were my three. I, I had another man at, at left back, but we'll wait to see if Tom's got anyone else to throw in at the right back position first. No, not Adams. I don't think so. I'm surprised Charlie Daniels hasn't had a shout out yet. Well, but, um... th- those two silver informs <laughs> on FIFA 16. That's where it, that's where it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I struggle with this because fullbacks now are so important in the modern game, but they, they, I didn't think they had the same mm. level of importance. When sort of the, yeah the mid two thousands to the to the early two thousands yeah no and the thing with the fullback position it seems to have just consistently evolved into basically a right winger like like, like my other shout yeah. for left back was Ashley Cole because at, yeah. at one point yeah. maybe around two thousand and seven ish he was possibly the best left back in the world or there there yeah. or there there or there I think he was and. He wasn't your sort of your Danny Alves, your Kaffir, your like marauding forward. He, he, I, there was a point where I don't remember anyone going round him. Like every time a winger came up against him, you thought Ashley Cole will tackle him; it'll be fine. And he was he was close to getting in there for me, but yeah, I think Roberto Carlos just maybe edged him. And to be honest, I was very very well swayed by Tom's uh, Philip Lahm argument so I'm even happy to put Philip Lahm over Roberto Carlos though Philip Lahm has never scored a free kick quite like Roberto Carlos has so <laughs> no no but I'm sure when we get into the attacking players we've got plenty of free kick takers in yeah, this that's team well, well, it's worth knowing, um, um, uh, as well that for the, on the, in UEFA's team of the millennium they put Sergio Ramos as a right back so ooh yeah oh. they don't rate well we will have we will have an episode later on when we finish a team to do any like yeah. adjustments that need yep. to be doing. Mm-hmm. So that might be something that crops up later. But um, I think, in all fairness, we'll go with Danny Alves at right back. Yep. Um, you can't sway those team of the year before uh, those team of the year nominations. <laughs> uh, and how are we are we looking at Philip Lama? Yeah, back? I like the uh, I like the utility man at left back in case we need to switch to three at the back. Yeah, we've. St- I mean, currently we've got Maldini at left uh, left centre back as well, so we do have a left footer. And there we go. Our back five is complete. Uh, Buffon, Maldini, Ramos, Philip Lam, and Danny Alves. Uh, next episode, we'll be doing the centre mid positions. Um, so you two get your thinking caps on. Have a have a gander about who you're going to put in there. Uh, but we'll move on from that to talking points. Uh, who's got I'm one? I'm just going to come straight off and say Adarisa's penalty, top notch. I don't know if I've oh, ever seen it. Just so good. one step like he was playing five-a-side football. Straight in the bottom corner. It was, it was brilliant. Like, compare that to fucking Pogba's run-up. <laughs> um, like, one, it takes half the time. <laughs> um, and he does, he just falls the goalkeeper. He takes a step back as if he's going to, you know, walk back for run-up and just places it in the bottom corner. It's not particularly fast. It's just the keeper's never going to reach it. I do love Adderies. All dads were celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ones that put one of their knees out uh, so they can't have a run up any others uh, I've got some pretty good news on the old soul, soul train oh please do <gasps> the soul uh, train he got his he got a good result this weekend he got a draw nice uh, let me pull up so I don't actually lie about exactly what happened like last time <laughs> um, I think he's he's now unbeaten in his last two games and, and is really pulling performances out of nowhere and the, the Macclesfield bus is really believing that they can pull off a miraculous, uh, yeah, 
escape from relegation this season. They sit bottom of League Two <sighs> uh, with 17 points, but they're only three points off Cambridge. Yeah, they secured a nil-nil at home to the mighty Port Vale, and they're now three games unbeaten. And Sol really looks to have turned Ooh. the fortunes of um, whatever Macclesfield Town's nickname is. <laughs> the Silk, the Silkman. <laughs> is it the Silkman? It is the Silkman. Yeah. Oh, there you I'll go. Tell you what, Those silky men. I, I'm not sure if either of you saw uh, the fantastic uh, Mike Dean. As always, the man, the gift that keeps giving, even though it's even when it's not Christmas. Uh, he gave a red card to uh, I think it was Lewis Dunk at the weekend, and just mouthed. Off you pop, as, as he gave him the red card. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you also know? So oh, he, what did we do to deserve? He's saying it to himself. Yeah, he's not. Because if you look at the angle, he's not looking at Lewis Dunk <laughs> when he does it. Yeah. Oh, oh so dear. They just, we don't deserve him. We do not deserve him. <laughs> he's so funny. Um, sad news. Alan Pardew watches over. <laughs> um, <laughs> DeBoer's been... Uh, Frank de Boer's been appointed the Atlanta United hey, if manager. If we learn anything from Frank de Boer, Pardew watch has just begun in four <laughs> games' time. He'll be right at that at that hell when de Boer gets sacked. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, it wouldn't be Christmas without doing a little fun Christmas feature at the end. Um, so we're just going to name some of our favourite Christmas players. Is that what it was? Festive named players. Um, there's quite a few. Um, so <laughs> I know we've, we've seen other places as well, but we sort of were making some of our own up uh, <laughs> last night. Um, my personal favourite being uh, Danny's suggestion of Frankincense Lampard. <laughs> uh, I've partnered in midfield with Fabian Elf. Um, we've also got Slay Given. Uh, King Slay Coman. There's a lot of slays. Uh, Slay to Bane. Slay Eleven. <laughs> I think one of my personal favourites uh, was this. This was were during the like, process where we were just talking them out to see if they worked. Uh, Tim said David December, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> I was really struggling. David December. <laughs> 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 it just thought it was the best one, David. December. <laughs> it's also the worst one. You, if you need a manager for your team, you've got Jose Murray. Oh, oh, nice that's good. Obviously that's good. succeeded succeeded uh, by Holly Gunnar Oh no! Oh, well that's also well good. Um, yeah, centre back Eric Reindeer and Angel nice. Rangel. Uh, flanked at full back by Davide Santa. <laughs> I mean, if you, if, if you need a utility man, John O'Slay. Oh, nice. Oh, all yours, yeah. uh, Tom, all uh, yours are Manchester pro- United related ones. I'm just running through like, <laughs> mid 2000s for <laughs> Man United. Up top, we've got uh, Roque Santa Cruz. That's not even a pun, <laughs> that's just his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, partnered by Papa Noel Cisse. Nice. Uh, and Gabriel Jesus, but again, that's just his name. Gabriel it's not, it's Jesus, not even clever. <laughs> the baby Jesus. <laughs> Gabriel baby Jesus. Uh, there we go. That was just ridiculous oh, and stupid. Yes. Uh, 
Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone at game time. Uh, join us in a few days for the review of the Boxing Day results. Uh, but thank you, Danny and Tom, for being here. Have a very you Merry too, Christmas. Mate. And to you, mate. And we'll Bye. see you later. <laughs> <laughs>
second. Part. Also, I don't, I don't mean to be a dick, but I don't, I don't feel like this is um, Sari's fault. I'm going to be one of those people and say that actually, I don't think he's that bad. And and I and I said this a couple of weeks ago. Chelsea went 18 games unbeaten at the start of the season or something, whatever it was, playing Sari ball. They aren't playing Sari ball anymore, which is why they're losing. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not 100% Sarri's fault. It's just the fact that his team selections just don't make sense anymore and his substitutions don't make sense. The club, the, the issue is much further than him. Yeah. But I don't think he can, I don't think he can stay after this. It'll be interesting to see what they do, to be honest. If, yeah. If they act- apparently, apparently, he's been given, apparently he's been given two games. So he's been given the Malmo game and the City uh, final to keep his job. He's, which he's is not really fair. No he's pressure. Going to beat Malmo. If he loses to Malmo, he should already be sacked. He shouldn't get the city. Yeah, he won't. I mean, we're 2-1 up on aggregate. but No, nah, you'll be fine. Um, right. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a city. Just so you know, um, Avram Grant's currently with North East United, which is in the Indian Professional Football Club. So I'm, I'm guessing... <laughs> Applause wouldn't be too substantial. Hmm. Oh, they know where Gus Hiddink is. Or they're really protected. Yeah. Forty million pounds if you want Avram Grant. Yeah. Oh, they're they're a quality side actually. They came tenth last year in the Indian Premier League. <laughs> you can't buy that quality. You cannot. Can you bring it to the academy though? Well, they've got a rich vein of history. They were founded four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Right. Let's get this going. Welcome back from the break. We've been joined by another member of the Game Time team. Ryan, how are you doing? Nice and seamless there. Well done, mate. That was lovely. Yes. Um, hello. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very good. Thank you very much. I needed that compliment after these two absolute knob jockeys. I can't say knob jockeys, can I? No, you're not allowed. Not allowed. That was terribly homophobic. <laughs> it's the point. You still have a better weekend than I've had, so. Uh, but thank you very much for the compliment, Ryan. After these two absolute knob jockeys, <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you think of anything else? <laughs> uh, no, thank you, <laughs> Penus Riders. <laughs> <coughs> well, thank you for the compliment, Ryan. We are gonna steamroll straight into the Champions League because I want to forget about these two boys predicting. Wolverhampton Wanderers to beat Man United. I'm not going to ask you on your thoughts on that game because I don't need three of you against me. So let's. You, you're a Bundesliga fan. You have been for quite a while. Schalke versus Manchester City. Any chance for the Bundesliga team in this one? Uh, absolutely not. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, yeah, I'm afraid they're not. They're not in a good way at the minute. Schalke. Um, they need. Well, they need to start, first of all, sort of domestic form out first. So this game is, I suppose, a bit of a bonus. The only way that it's going to end well for them is if you like, they might just think, oh, well, let's just go for it, fuck it, and just play all out attacking football because they're within touching distance of the bottom two in the Bundesliga at the minute. So at the minute, it's just about survival. I mean, when your top when your top goal scorer for the season in the league is a right wing back, you know there's not going to be a lot of stuff going on for you. So, yeah, I can see nothing but a city win, unfortunately. Because, like I say, they they did have a really good year last year, but it's just not clicked for them this year. Right, who's who's that then? as top scorer? I didn't know that. Uh, Caligiuri, you know the right wing back, the Italian guy. He's oh. um he's got four goals this year in the Bundesliga as their top scorer. 
Oh, my Christ. I was about to say, why are you trying to denigrate from his great achievement? Maybe you scored, had quite a good season, but four. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is, what saying, is what you're saying, Schalke are the Bundesliga Huddersfield? Is that what you're saying? Um, what I'm, what I, I think probably the closest analogy you can get in terms of like European team would probably be Leicester. From obviously they came they came second last year, which is a really good achievement considering obviously Bayern usually walk the league most years. Um, and then obviously they've now receded into a relegation battle, and it does remind me a lot of the way they play at the minute, the way they're playing. It does remind me of that season when Leicester were in the Champions League when they were sort of doing not particularly very well in the league in a, almost like a relegation fight before Shakespeare took over, but then they were still they still got to the quarters. Mm-hmm. It's very much like that at the minute, the way they are playing. Like I say, the, the sort of the football is not particularly very good. They played in, um, out a nil-nil draw on uh, Sunday with Freiburg. Both, play, both teams ended up with 10 men, so that wasn't exactly a classic. Um, yeah, so like I say, I, I can't see anything more than a City win to nil, to be honest. I mean, that's probably what I be advising if you were of a betting persuasion because they just can't seem to score going forward at the minute. Partly injuries, partly just the fact that they just seem to be very low on confidence at the minute. So, yeah, big or a very um, big shock at the minute. I think it's just going to go to form. Uh, just having a look at, at the game at the weekend against Freiburg, which ended nil-nil, um, top scorer Calgary wasn't playing, so probably why they didn't score. <laughs> the main threat, yeah. <laughs> The Freudberg formation is unbelievable. They played 4-2-2-2, but it's essentially just like a, a V in the middle of the pitch with just two wing-backs. Yes. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite bizarre, actually. Um, it is, like I said, they did well to get a point, to be honest. Well, I think probably they should have got all three because Schalke were playing most of the game with, or most of the second half with uh, 10 men. But um, yeah, like I said, they, they are a bit of a bit of a strange proposition Freiburg it's quite nice though because like you say you get like these different tactics you get these different formations springing up in the Bundesliga you see like a couple of um, different ones but yeah like I say in terms of Schalke I think think it's going to be a bit of a bit of a um, difficult one for them tomorrow an uphill battle for Schalke indeed on the Manchester City front if we're assuming that they're they're all going to win this um do Manchester City need to win the Champions League this season or at least make it to a final? Oh, God. Um, I th- mm. No? <laughs> it's, it's the toughest competition to win in the world. I don't, I don't think... What, in terms of Pep being seen as a success? In terms of, A, Pep being seen as a success because after Barca, he's struggled very much. I mean, Bayern... I mean, the best... He struggled was... at Bayern. No, in terms of oh, Champions, Champions League, League yeah. he was criticised for not winning the Champions League with the squad that he had. The City squad is, is just as potent. And in a season where Real Madrid are really off the pace. Yeah. It, teams look like they could be... Barcelona are good, but they've got a tricky tie against Lyon. You've got Atletico Madrid versus Juventus, which we'll come on to as well, which means one big side is going out there. Liverpool, Bayern, another one there is a pathway for them to get to the final. So do you think they have to at least make it to a semi-final or a final for Pep to, to be justified in spending the ridiculous amounts of money that he has spent? I think there is an expectation there. And they, I, they are the favourites to win at this point. And, um, and you can sort of see why, like you said, the way that Real Madrid are faltering slightly. This is one of the poorest buy-in sides we've seen, you know, in, in quite some time. Um, 
well, Barcelona certainly slightly uh, will give a stronger showing than they did last year. Uh, but I, you, you're right, there is a certain degree of expectation. Um, I, I, I think they should be making a semis. Whether it be disappointing if they didn't make the final, I'm not sure. Fair enough. Uh, I would say what uh, that start again. I would say uh, for you to nail your colours to the mast in which team would win this. But both teams play in blue, so don't nail that colour to the mast. Um, the light, it's like the light or royal blue. It's a very, very differently subtly coloured flag. Nail your shade of blue to the mast, uh, Tim. Which way do you see this game going? Uh, I mean, you've got a, you've got a back city right, but um, I do have the the Champions League farmer in my FIFA team, so I'd quite like a Schalke <laughs> win at home. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love the loyalty towards FIFA players. Uh, if you had to pick a score, what what you fancy? 3-1 City. Oh, three big away goals. Only if Caligiuri plays, though. Literally, <laughs> Caligiuri will score, and that's it. 2-0 <laughs> City for me. 2-0 City. A more conservative away result. Ryan, um, go, go, I think I'm going to go with Alan, but the only reason I think it's only going to be 2-0 is because the City have got a domestic cup final on Sunday to look forward to. Mm. So they might be thinking they get a couple of goals, haul off a couple of players, maybe... Um, sort of like save their legs for Sunday and then just think, well, if we take two, a two-away goal lead back to the Etihad, we can pretty much cruise in second, third gear, get get through, and then sort of come back next next round when they're probably going to face a, a, probably a team in better form. Um, one thing I would say, though, about Bayern Munich, obviously the, the game is about to start the, the Liverpool game. I do feel like Bayern Munich have, if they turn up and Liverpool have an off day. They have enough to win tonight. That's, again, probably going to come bite me on the arse because we are now recording this just before it starts. But um, I feel like they've... Bayern Munich have gone slightly... People are sort of writing them off a bit too early and I feel like you should never do that with Bayern Munich because (laughs) they are the most successful team of recent times in Germany for a reason. Um, So I think, genuinely, I think they've got a chance of at least getting one or two good away goals and then maybe even getting a draw or a win back to Munich next week or week after, sorry. And, and they're clawing it back in the Bundesliga, to be honest, mainly because Dortmund seem to be faltering. You haven't been on the pod for a while, but Tottenham did win 3-0 last week in the Champions League. A quick word on that. Uh, you must have been pretty happy, no? Oh, definitely, yeah. Very unexpected, though. I was watching it the first half and we sort of got in. It was almost like us sort of speaking to my dad about it and speaking to like people I know about it. And it was very much like a boxing fight the first half and we just wanted the bell we wanted half time and it was like right just get in regroup and then obviously scoring two minutes after the second half starts really kicked kicked us on um and obviously this sort of the two goals towards the end have really given us a bit of a boost um a couple of things first of all if anyone thinks that now the game is over and we'll go there and comfortably see the 3-0 aggregate um score out there an absolute muppet because we definitely <laughs> won't um the sound <laughs> like on Muppets, because that was literally the basis of the pod last week. Yeah. I'm afraid, because the problem is someone someone's going to get an early red card and then it's going to throw our whole plan into disarray and we'll be 2-0 down at half-time and it'll be an absolute shit show. I can see it coming already. It's going to be horrible, but um, it's one of those things. I signed up for it when I first started supporting him, so I know, I know what to expect. Um, <laughs> and secondly, I think... Um, like obviously, Jan Vertonghen got a lot of praise for his performance. Um, I feel like that was, in my opinion, that's probably up there with one of my like most favourite performances from a Spurs player in recent times. Probably 
rivals own rivaled only by probably Bale against Inter Milan at the San Siro. Um, probably when Harry Kane first sort of turned up against Chelsea that year, about three or four years ago. I think those are the those are the sort of the main ones. It's it was that good. Like I say, to play out of position as a thirty-one year old player as a wing back who is not known as the quickest player to sort of like come back and then obviously to score as well and just to generally sort of after the second half nullify Sancho who's very dangerous it was absolutely outstanding it's, it's one of the best he's one of my favourite Tottenham players I think of all time even more so now he is absolute he can just do everything he is yeah. a, he's a very very good player I mean, the one thing the problem that I always like in my head I always think that the fact that we signed him the year after Ledley King retired and I feel like if we had was ever we had him and like prime Ledley King in the, in the league um, starting every week we'd have won every competition going including the Grand National <laughs> because like you just see both of them are just like obviously Lindy King in his time I've got a lot of time for him um, but obviously cut short with injury and then Vertonghen he's just like he seems to get better every year and a lot gets good Vertonghen has been better than him for the last 18 months two years now definitely more oh, consistent someone you can really rely on definitely He's fantastic. He's outstanding. I mean, if anyone anyone's looking for like a reliable centre half, then they should just just pay way. I know he's thirty one, but it's the same with like Diego Godin going to he's going to Inter, isn't he, Danny? Is that uh, right? I believe yeah, so. End of the season. Yeah. End of the season on, on I mean, that's absolute steal for them. I don't care if he's in his mid thirties. He's a fucking great player. He's making like, it, it, you, I, I think he's made made quite a few mistakes this year compared to previous years. From what I gathered, yeah, form. he's still quite like. He's still, that's what I mean. Like he, he makes like three or four mistakes a season, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's lost it." <laughs> Whereas like Phil Jones does that in one game. But um, yeah, he's just, he's just, he's just a top bloke. I love Yamba uh, Tongan. Top bloke Yamba Tongan. Let speaking of Diego Godin, Atletico Madrid versus Juventus. This is such a good tie, and, and honestly, I have no fucking clue which way it's going. <laughs> it's very finely matched. I d- just because of the Ronaldo factor, you probably would shift towards Juventus. Um, it's going to be a great atmosphere. They'll they're going to be. Well, you, you see, they're probably going to try and get behind Cristiano Ronaldo and get get on his nerves slightly. The Atletico fans, and that's certainly something they're going to be targeting. Um, yeah, the, this this will be a big moment for the season of Ronaldo in terms of this would probably been his biggest challenge so far in a Juventus shirt. Yes. To my knowledge. Uh, they played, have they played the final? Uh, nope, not no. yet. Um, um, they lost to Manchester United, just saying. They did. So, yes, the biggest game <laughs> so far. Um, yeah. It would be an, in- an interesting one. Though, I would say, totally agree with you, the Ronaldo factor is there. If there is one man who knows to, knows how to absolutely strangle a top class player out of a game, it's Diego Simeone. The man is a genius at just making games very difficult for those sort of players. When Atletico won the league, he nullified Messi and Ronaldo, Barcelona and Real Madrid consistently throughout that game. You're right there, boss. Hello. <laughs> um, where, where do you see this one going, Tim? 
two finely matched teams. What are your thoughts for the match? I mean, I can't pick Atletico purely because I've been saying that Juventus have been the favourites uh, all season. Um, so it's not, uh, no, I'm not allowed to pick Atletico. But, um, again, you know, at the Pacific Calderon, I don't know. I think, is it, wait, is that still the stadium? No. Metropolitano now, mate. Atletico at home are a very difficult place to go. And I think Juventus will struggle. But like you said, the Ronaldo factor, their ball has not been great recently. Um, but I think they do have the star power to get through it. Plus, yeah. Um, they've got they've got a sort of goal, so I'll go with Juventus, I think. But um, definitely for the both legs, Juventus will um, come through. I did, this one is much more hard to call, but uh, I'll go with Juventus purely because I'm then backtracking what I've literally been saying for the past six months. We've got one vote for Juve. Ryan, is that two or is it one-one? It is. I'm going for an absolutely nailed-on banker, nil-nil draw. Hundred percent. It's it's going to be the most tightest game I think of the whole Champions League knockout stages by far and I think yeah I'm going to go nil-nil draw nil-nil draw Ooh. Alan oh, I'm going to go one all. Oh, okay yeah. okay finally poised indeed I reckon Morata will cost Atletico <laughs> finally get my own back he got an assist at the weekend so he's already done more for Atletico than he did for Chelsea in half a season yeah how many so, offsides has he got though <laughs> that's what matters that I don't know to hand but uh, that's your Champions League Wednesday evening wrapped up. Before we go, as always, we have talking points. Does anyone want to kick us off this week with something they found from this week's football? I'll go. I've got something if you want. Go uh, on, Tim. Um, I've got. I'm going to say we'll just. Rob. Uh, I've got a few. So first one, we were talking about Chelsea earlier. Just the, um, the stat that sums up Sarri really. Uh, his substitutions in game. Um, 13 of them have been for Barkley for Kovacic over the entire season and every match Kovacic has started he's then come off mainly for Barkley uh, and once for Loftus-Cheek as well so uh, that sums him up pretty you know pretty perfectly the other ones are Pedro for Willy in eight times seven times uh, Kovacic on for Barkley and seven times Giroud for Morata as well um, that is such pleasant reading I love it um, <laughs> how many times has he subbed on hudson Adoy? <laughs> minus three um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one I've got um, the Mauro Icardi saga um, I, I genuinely don't know what's going on uh, in the news this week is that uh, Icardi's wife and his agent uh, broke down on crying on TV uh, because saying that Icardi didn't want to leave the San Siro and then later that day posted a video on Instagram of her burning a picture of the two of them on their fire at home and, and not to mention, Mauro Cardi had a full-on mental breakdown with his sister over Twitter rather than using WhatsApp, which I imagine they have a family WhatsApp group. They could... <laughs> <laughs> it, was it, do you think, Danny, do you think it was the classic, like, um, just like, a, like rather than get it on the WhatsApp, the, the classic, like, Italian parents, like, just do it and talk it out <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> don't, don't talk about this. Like, do it, do it somewhere else. I'm not interested. <laughs> Leave me alone. Go do it. <laughs> um, and sorry, go on. Wife and um, Arnautovic's brother should team up and do some sort of family, <laughs> family staged sports agency business, <laughs> meddling in the lives of others. Oh my god! Uh, apparently, though, and and I don't. I've seen rumours of this, but I, I don't know Argentinian culture uh, very well. Apparently, burning photos of each other. Is a, is a birthday thing. I think it's Icardi's birthday or their anniversary. It's one of the two, and apparently that's like a cultural uh, thing. You do. Uh, 
But again, I, I only saw that briefly on Twitter, so you can't... What, what, the, fuck, what the fuck is wrong with just getting someone a caterpillar? <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Bloody South Americans. <laughs> um, the last one I've got is... Uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of Chilean side O'Higgins, um, but they've... <laughs> Only South American football teams sound like an Irish yeah, band. Um, they've, they've debuted their new fuchsia-coloured kit. And uh, the most striking thing about it, other than the colour, is the fact they've been sponsored by McDonald's. Uh, they've got a big bucket of fries at the bottom of the uh, kit on the back. And then the numbers are all in fries. Solid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, there's just a picture of them all hugging each other, like... With McDonald's fries everywhere on the back of the shirt, it's just brilliant. It's just, I, it's very clever. But how they're the only team to be sponsored by McDonald's that I've heard of is mental. I'm loving that. When I was a, when I was a, when I was a wee lad for my uh, under fourteen side, we were sponsored by KFC for a season. Ah. Yeah. Did you just have a piece of original recipe chicken on your shirt? Finger, finger <laughs> looking good. Uh, what? Not fourteen-year-olds, Danny. <laughs> Come on, um, Ryan. Have you got anything from football this week? Um, yes, um, I'm sure you all watched the video that I put in the um, group chat the other day about the young lad from Stevenage, Ilias Chair, what? had an absolute game on uh, Saturday against Lincoln. They were two, Stevenage were 2-0 down in the 87th minute. He then pulls two worldies out of absolutely nowhere and gets them back to a 2 all draw. And then he could have easily, if you've seen the video, you can, he could have easily scored like nice. nine goals in this game. <laughs> all of them are from like 30, 30 yards plus. And he just does the same thing. He just keeps like cutting inside on his right foot and just bending it into the top corner. I mean, like... I would have loved to have been a Stevenage fan there. You think, oh, fair enough. Because obviously, um, Stevenage, obviously not having the best season. Lincoln, pretty good at the minute. They're sort of top promotion candidates from League Two. They were 2-0 down. I think, oh, fair enough. We've come to Lincoln. We've lost 2-0. We're not disgraced ourselves. Then some guy just starts picking the ball up and behaves like Ronaldinho in his prime. You just see the goalkeeper in the video. It's like, oh, come on, mate. Bayern would make a £35 million bid for him, <laughs> I'm not be surprised. I mean, like I say, judging on that, if that was just this highlight reel for the whole season, then people would be chucking money at QPR. That's where he's on loan from. He's on loan from QPR. I mean, like it's just like the, the guy behind the goal was my favourite, the Lincoln fan, who they let the second goal in, which is it goes in off the bar, which is obviously makes it supremely better, as we've discussed before. Um, and then um, he just like he just stands up and he's like he just has his hands out and he's like, "What the fuck <laughs> is this?" <laughs> We were winning a minute ago. Now this guy's come up like, and started doing bits for him. I don't understand. It's brilliant. Um, the first goal is possibly my favourite, mainly because it doesn't hit the bar. Mm. I've, I've talked about it. My yeah. But it's the fact that they the ball yeah. the wrong way. Like, he goes across goal with a side foot and just... It's good technique. Oh, yeah. it's delicious. Alan, what have you got mm. for us? Um, only that, well, skulls has been doing pretty well, hasn't he? Wee, another former player watch. We've got Tom yeah. on Campbell watch. You're on Scalzi watch. Have, I mean, what have you got for us? Yeah, both second division. I can't wait for them to face each other. Oh, that'd be tasty. Yeah. The quiet man versus the batshit crazy. <laughs> Saul Campbell. Did you, did um, yeah, strong showing from them. Yeah. Um, obviously, Skulls managing the team he supports. Um, yeah, one win and one draw. Yeah, 
about as good as you can hope for. Unless it was two wins. Valid. That, that is true. That is a fact. My one from this week is just, and I'll put it on our Twitter as well because it's probably better to read, uh, just the beautiful side of Twitter. So Yeovil Town posted um, a tweet and it said, Darren Way has been given a boost by Omar Suomi's return to training. Post a picture of Omar Suomi. Somebody on Twitter replies with, a chocolate bar isn't going to be of much use. To which someone else replies, that's just a bit racist, mate. And you think, oh no, this is going the wrong way. Second reply, he just says, wasn't intending it to be racist. I meant boost as in the chocolate bar from oh, Cadbury's. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Brand loyal as well. <laughs> that gentleman just goes, oh, sorry, mate. And they go on their way with a like a piece. Yeah. It's it's the other racist tweets from that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, just just a wonderful side yeah. of Twitter. But that about wraps it up from me. Unless anyone else has got any. I mean, this isn't related. But have you seen Carlos Valderrama's wife? No. <laughs> I'll just post yeah, the picture. Valderrama. They uh, look exactly the same <laughs> with the haircut. Valderrama's haircut is quite well known. The picture of his wife. They look just so similar, except she hasn't got a moustache. <laughs> well, that's good. That's, that's, that's solid. Oh, hang on, go on Have a... Oh, my God. That is... <laughs> Chuck that on the Twitter. Chuck that on the Twitter. Definitely. Christ What's going on God. now? I'll tell you what. Carlos Valderrama, and in, in again, another very weird story from my youth, and Alan's youth, when the 2012 Olympics rolled around, Carlos Valderrama was the man who carried the torch through our hometown. What? Yeah. <laughs> he, carried, he carried it through Berkshire, picked up at Co-op in Windsor, and then carried it on through. My God's name. The Co-op like, in Windsor. <laughs> yeah. So How has this passed me by? How did you not know this? It yeah. was actually his wife. You just couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was running very quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's an interesting end to this pod. with yeah, brilliant. Uh, plenty of throwback things. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Cheers, boys. See you later. Thank you very much. Cheers. I hope next time I'm on, I'm talking something slightly more positive about Chelsea. I doubt that. Unlikely. I am very unlikely. This season, I'm missing I said, I said, I I hope. (laughs) Alan, (laughs) Nuno, Nuno. Shut the fuck up and we'll be back <laughs> next week. Remember, you can tweet us gametime underscore pod on Twitter or gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com. Until then, bye. Solid, guys. Oh, my back is in Fantastic timing. I mean, it gains oh, just starting. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, awesome. Alan spent the last 10 minutes like in excruciating agony. I have the back of an 80 year old man. <laughs> right, I've got to go. See you guys later. See you later, man. Yes, yeah, boys. Oh, Ryan, can you send me the, can you send me the postcode, please? Because I'll uh, otherwise I'll forget. Okay, no worries. Um, what's the deal with? Are you going to try and get it at the same time as yeah, time? Absolutely wonderful. Because I have to I have to go to Stoke on Friday to pick up um, my camera, and the only the only time okay. I can pick it up is like five o'clock. So I just said to myself, like, there's no point in me driving back to Maidenhead. So I've just booked um, a hotel in Leicester, which I think is like a half an hour drive away from your house. Oh, fucking hell, you can just, just stay over on Friday night. It doesn't matter, mate. No, it's, it's cool because I've got like, I've, I've already booked it. And I've got like a camera and stuff that I need to charge. So 
Okay, well, like I said, as long as you don't mind, because otherwise you could have just easily just come here. Like, I don't mind. Like, then we've got a spare bed. We've got so- plug sockets. We're not that bad up here. Like, we, we can charge. We can charge just, things. Just come in and then just insanely inflate your electricity bill by charging, like, three cameras. <laughs> yeah. I say, the office actually you want it, though. That's because otherwise you're, you're paying for to stay half an hour away from where oh, we live. It's absolutely beautiful, mate. It was 28 quid. Okay, yeah, as long as you're sure. And I also feel like, as much as I, that's a really nice offer, if I took it up, it just looks like me and Grace are so keen to get the spare beds from Tom and Simmy that we're coming a day <laughs> early to bags it. There is that, there is that thing. It's just like, yeah, we, we've been here since Tuesday. <laughs> we, we've got all the clothes here already. Yeah, we're, we're moving in now. See you later, guys. Our house. Um, but yeah, if you could ping me a postcode, that'd be good. And yeah, we'll we'll arrive around yep. the same time. Um, I think check out of the hotel is like ten, so we'll we'll basically drive down and meet you there. Okay, lovely, nice one, mate. Absolutely looking forward to it, especially the escape. I got yeah, so much time for escape rooms. Yeah, so I've been listening to that thing on Radio One recently, yeah. the Great James thing, and it looks quite good. So that was quite fun. But yeah, I'm gonna go off to football now because I need to get changed. But I'll see you in a few days, man. Oh, nice, I'll see you in a bit.